We want to thank you for tuning in to the Indian Run Christian Church podcast with Pastor Terry Bailey. This podcast can be found on iTunes by searching for Terry Bailey Ministries. Right now, let's get to Pastor Terry's insightful message. Josh has uh, already read for you from the text today. It's the 31st proverb. The uh, last little bit of a passage that is generally described as the virtuous woman or the virtuous wife, depending on the version that you may be reading, that says, charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her. In the gates. Now, if you were to go back and read the rest of the chapter, you would find out some things about this woman that's being pictured. She is honest and trustworthy. She is industrious, energetic, and hardworking. She is kind. She is generous. She sees to the needs of her family. And then she goes above and beyond that and reaches out to see to the needs of the poor. She is wise in the wisdom of God. She is strong in the strength of the Lord. She is faithful by virtue of faith in God. This woman is to be praised. All the men who know her husband, when they look at her, look to the husband and say, Good choice, buddy. Well done. Well chosen. She is a credit to him. Above and beyond that, she is a credit to herself. She is a credit to her community. And her works praise her. In the gates. We're a little less familiar with this idea of the city gate these days. Uh, How many of you, like me, have ever in a public place walked up on some people that you knew and found that they were talking about you and didn't know you were there? But they were talking about you as you walked up. That's happened to me a few times. Anybody else? Yeah, just just a few of us. All right, I, I can tell you it's happened to me. And I will admit, though I probably should not do this, I always try to stop and listen for a minute. You know, when I, when I realize they're talking about me, I want to find out what they're saying before they know I'm there. And eventually they do realize you're there. And then you find out what kind of conversation it was, even if you couldn't overhear it all clearly, because they'll say, oh, wait, he's here. And that's not good. Or they turn and they say, we were just talking about you, in which case it's probably okay. And I have stumbled upon both sorts of conversations in my time. Always interesting to find out what it is that people are saying about you. But in the gates, that's a little bit different. Our villages and cities don't typically have walls surrounding them, and so they don't need Gates in the sense that towns and villages and large cities even did in these days. It was for protection militarily. 
It was for commerce so that only people who should be able to get in to conduct business could get in. The gate was that place where access was carefully controlled. But it was more than that in the Jewish towns and villages. It was the place where the elders sat and where they heard cases and made important decisions and discussed business for the good of their community. And when you were known in the gates, it meant that the people who were primarily responsible for the good of this place know about you. They have taken your virtues into account. They understand your contributions to the local good and are appreciative of them. When you are known favorably in the gates, this is what the Bible means. It would be like in Ohio if, if in the governor's mansion, they frequently discussed your name as the kind of good citizen that everybody ought to aspire to be. If only everyone could be like good old Jack Spencer. Right? Jack agrees. <laughs> if, you know, if we, we could use more citizens like k We could, you know, being known in the gates would be something like that. The people who are in authority and responsible for the good of the entire larger community, they know you, at least by reputation. They appreciate who you are. You need to hear this when it says, let her works praise her in the gates. On Mother's Day, let me tell you that the people who are in positions of authority and responsibility for our community, whether they talk about you as individual mothers or not, they ought to be aware of the virtues and the strength and the importance, the profound positive effects of motherhood. They ought to be discussing the ways that they can foster the institution of motherhood. Because it does so much for our society. If only everyone could have that positive abiding love that is integral to the mother's heart. If only everyone cared as much about the community as mothers care because they are launching their children into this community. Those who are in the gates should be recognizing and discussing and promoting the importance of motherhood. I don't know that they are enough, but they should be. I did just a little research into some things that have been said about motherhood. Uh, Irma Bombeck, a name known to most of us, said, when your mother asks you if you would like some advice, the question is, a formality. So just say yes, because you're going to get the advice anyway. Dorothy, uh, ah, the name escapes me, I'll look it up in a little bit, said, uh, 
People get confused. They think that the word mother is a noun. It is definitely a verb. And I see that some people understand that. Milton Berle, Milton Berle, do any of us still remember Milton Berle? Milton Berle once said, I don't think I believe in evolution because if a system like that worked, mothers would have more than two hands. That makes some sense. Gilda Radner, which struck me as an odd place to find an inspirational quote. Gilda Radner said, Motherhood is the biggest gamble in the world. It's huge, and it's scary, and it's an unbelievable expression of optimism. And Glenn Campbell, who wrote about a bajillion songs in his lifetime, penned these words, There ought to be a hall of fame for mothers, creation's most unique and precious pearls. And heaven help us always to remember that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And all of these things are true. And motherhood is worth remembering in the gates. And in the course of the Bible it is. And many, I mean, there are some bad mothers in the Bible who particularly and justifiably get slammed. There's Jezebel for one. There's Athaliah for another. And I get that. But all the mothers for the most part show the virtues even if they are themselves messed up people. And we are all messed up people, every last one of us, male, female, whatever. But if you look back, Sarah, the wife of Abraham, now there was a situation where motherhood was a little bit messed up. And yet, the strength and virtues of motherhood become apparent and God's purposes are accomplished in part through them. In in the little video that we watched in the beginning, there was the story of those sisters, Rachel and Leah, and their marriage to Jacob and their subsequent becoming of mothers. Now, there was a messed up situation. Every situation where a man marries more than one woman in the whole Bible, it's always messed up. It causes trouble. But, out of this, and through the motherhood of those women, God brought Blessings to bear. I'll dwell for just a moment on a couple of other examples. This also was in the video. Jochebed, mother of Moses, who, when her little baby boy was doomed, and he was doomed, The Egyptians were coming for him, eliminating the little boys among the Hebrews to diminish the strength of their enslaved population. Historians who have studied the practices of the time conclude that what they probably did when the soldiers took those babies was that they threw them into the Nile River where they would either drown and or be consumed by crocodiles. And you can draw your own conclusions on 
which would be more merciful. When Moses was doomed, the Akabed formed that little watertight basket and put him in it and put her baby on the waters of the river herself, trusting that God would do something, something. It was in part an act of desperation, but it was also an act of faith and hope. And her faith and hope were justified, and God did something, something big. And out of this moment, when a mother who you can say possibly had no other choices, and I know some people would say, well, she should have died hugging that baby, but that's not the way it would go. Three big burly soldiers would come, and despite the fierceness of her mother love, they would have ripped that child from her arms. And history would have been different. But because of what she did, a new chapter opens for the people of God. And there is raised up for them a deliverer who will lead them out of bondage and slavery. Who will guide them in the wilderness and teach them in the ways of God. This arises from the action of one mother in a dark and desperate moment. And all the good that comes from the life of Moses, it doesn't come easily because His life and the lives of all the people around him continue to be messed up situations involving messed up and imperfect human beings because that's what we give God to work with. Always is a lot of messed upness and yet the purposes of God prevail. And motherhood was at the heart of it. And the whole instance with Jacobed and Moses is a foreshadowing of another instance of motherhood. Because when God sent his own eternal son into the world, he put him in the womb and then in the arms of a faithful, believing, virtuous mother. And danger again came swift and sure. And the whole situation of the virgin conception was bound to create confusion and doubt and gossip. But Mary loved the purposes of God more than she feared for her reputation. Mary loved the purposes of God more than she feared having to flee to a foreign country and live there for some time because of the danger that pursued them. Mary loved 
the purposes of God more than she loved the convenience and the traditions of her known life. And when that child was placed in her arms, Mary loved that child because she was his mother. And out of this comes another new chapter. And if you think that the liberation that came from the birth of Moses was big, the liberation that comes from the birth of Jesus is so infinitely larger. Through Moses, God freed the children of Israel from physical bondage. Through Jesus... God saves all mankind who will from sin and death. And it still isn't easy because we still present God with the same messed up humanity that we have always been. It is what we give him to work with. And yet his will prevails and mercy triumphs over judgment and grace wins the day. And at the beginning of that chapter... As in the beginning of the chapter that foreshadowed it, is a mother holding a baby and loving him. This changes the world. I have long observed as I read the Bible and as I watch history and as I study our present society that what God has been doing, he is always doing. There is the great examples, but there are the small daily examples. And it's often like peeling an onion. You keep finding God is always doing those things that he is doing. And as as in these two great covenantal stories, motherhood was involved, I think, in the daily lives of God's people, motherhood is involved in exactly the same way. Let their works praise them in the gates. And I told you an opportunity would be coming, so for today we're just going to say, where are the gates? This is the gates. And in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say a few words if your mother is here or if she isn't. I'll start just to kind of get the ball rolling. When I was 12 or 13, I cannot place it more exactly than that. My mom was involved in an automobile accident. And, and and I know this is unthinkable in these days. It's just what we did in those days. Mom had five kids, and we had a couple of other kids who were with us on this occasion, neighborhood friends who hung around our house a lot. And we were going to, I'm, I'm pretty sure as I think back, we were headed for vacation Bible school. I think that's the case. And on one of the little narrow gravel roads that surrounds our place, Mom had packed us all into Dad's old pickup truck. And she and a couple of kids were in the front, and the rest of us were in the bed. It was just a thing we did. We did it all the time. And on the way, 
on a little roller coastery road with a lot of blind hilltops, a white sedan that I never saw again came roaring at an excessive speed over one of those blind hills right smack in the middle of the road. And Mom swerved and hit the ditch and bounced back onto the road and spun the truck around completely and off through the ditch again, through a fence, into a pasture. And in her desk, she never took her foot off the gas. <laughs> in her desperate attempts to somehow wheel and get back on the road, crashed the front of the truck into a telephone pole which it climbed as high as it could, broke the pole, which fortunately did not fall on us, and there came to a halt. Kid here, kid there, kid over there, scattered around on the ground. None of us kids, praise God, were hurt seriously. I had a pretty good bruise over my rib cage that pained me for weeks, but went away. My sister Amy, where she encountered the ground, drove a stick through her lower lip and a little bit into her gum. I say we weren't hurt seriously. You wouldn't have realized that if you could have heard my sister Amy when they pulled that thing out and gave her a shot in her lip. You'd have thought somebody was dying for sure. (laughs) Bruises, scrapes, nothing we wouldn't recover from. Now I'll tell you something that I didn't realize that day that came to realize later and came to realize the increasing magnitude of as the years went by. Only one person was seriously hurt. His mom. Her stomach had impacted the steering wheel hard enough to cause internal bleeding. There was some, when all was said and done, residual swelling and deformation of her abdomen, which remains to the current day, never has gone away since that accident. The day after, there was a huge bulging pocket of purpley blood stuff sticking out of her side. And the day after, she went to the doctor to have something done about that. She was the only one seriously hurt. But do you know what she was doing at the scene of the accident? She was running around the pasture picking up each of her children and making sure they were okay and then getting them to the doctor and seeing that they were examined and treated. And she took no thought for herself, the only one who had been seriously or permanently injured. She took no thought for herself until we were all home and safely at rest. And again the next day when that big bloody pocket was formed on her, then, then, she went to the doctor. 
you might argue that maybe she didn't know how seriously she was hurt at the time. I'm here to tell you if she had, it wouldn't have made any difference. She still would have seen to her children first. If she knew that she was going to be dead by sundown, she would have seen to her children first. That's my mom. May her works praise her in the gates. Sorry. This does not lead naturally to an invitation. And yet many of you have said that you are here today and in the Lord because of the efforts, the witness, the testimony, and the disciplines of your mother. Praise God. But maybe someone missed that boat. And maybe you really aren't in the Lord today, but you could be. And maybe someone just has a special need that they would like to have prayer for. And you can have that. Maybe someone just needs to unburden their hearts. Maybe someone is looking for a church home and this could be it. Whatever the case may be, let me tell you, God knows your needs. And he's ready to meet them today. We want to take a moment to thank all of you, our faithful listeners, for setting aside time each week for the Indian Run Christian Church podcast. You can find out more about the church by visiting our website at www.christforeastcanton.com. That's www.christforeastcanton, all one word, dot com. On behalf of Pastor Terry and all the folks at Indian Run Christian Church, I pray God's blessing on you and your family.